I've got this energy beneath my feet, like something on the ground is going to come up and carry me. I've got this sentimental heart that beats, but I don't really mind that it's starting to get to me. That's a song called Samstown by The Killers from the 2006 album, also called Samstown. I uh, love this song. Um, listen to it all the time. You know, I heard it back in college for the first time and been listening to it ever since. Here we are in 2023. Still love it. Um, it's just one of those cool songs um, that just like energizes me. Um, and these specific lyrics that I chose uh, really uh, get me going because it's like one of those things where I'll be at the gym or I'll be doing something. And I need energy and I'll just get like this super burst of energy and the lyrics to the song. I've got this energy beneath my feet, like something underground is going to come up and carry me. Um, it's crazy. Like, it's like one of those things that's like, you know, something underground is going to come up and carry me. I've got so much energy right now, especially when I'm working out, when I'm running. But if I'm not, it's just one of those things I could just hear this song and I'll get automatic energy. I don't even need coffee. Um, but it's by my favorite band, The Killers. Um, I know Joe, Joe Thurman is here. Welcome, Joe. Hello, Sean. Nice to be here. Yep. Um, I know you said that you're kind of busting my ball saying I choose too much killers. This is only the second killer <laughs> song I've done. We're on, this is episode 27. This is killer song number two, but I, dude, I got, I don't, I'm going to do a killer song, like probably once a month. Just, just be prepared for that. So that's, that's, Hey man, that's why they're your lyrics. You know, um, what are these lyrics? Like, what do they mean to you when you, because like, you don't really know the song. So like wh- when you saw these lyrics, what do they like mean to you? What do they, what do they, what do you think? Uh, you know, it was the next part that, that it, it, I like the first part. It's like, oh, every once in a while, I feel like I got a burst of energy or something pushing me. That's fine. But I've got this sentimental, se- <laughs> I've got this sentimental heart that beats. But I don't really mind that it's starting to get to me. Because to yeah, me, good, yeah, and to me, that's where it kind of related to me. Because it, I guess it just took me back to last week and seeing that thing at McDonald's or whatever. And just realizing the fact that I am an emotional dude. Sometimes that, that emotion manifests in in different ways you know uh you know it doesn't always manifest and you know you know where's my hanky and I'm, like, I'm getting teared up and sometimes it manifests in anger sometimes it manifests in frustration or this or that kind of thing or or you know um i may uh pop off at the mouth and say something about some athlete that i really didn't even really mean or something it depends on what kind of mood i'm in but i'm a sentimental creature i'm a sentimental being and you know what though at the end of the day i don't really mind because that's who I am. It's who I've always been. I feel like I feel things twice as hard as other people do. I think things seep a little deeper into me than 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 than, than, than other people. I, you know, yeah, you sound you're like you're like because you know they, they call some people emotional vampires. All they do is suck the, the energy out of you because they're just so dramatic and they're so negative and they're always saying like things that really just get to you. Um, and they don't, you know, they're not sentimental, really. They're not thinking of what they're saying and they're who they're going around draining. They're emotional vampires. Whereas you, I feel like um, you have that, you, you feel things twice as much as others, like you said. And I believe that you have the opposite of the emotional vampire. You're like, you know, you're giving people energy with your, you're giving off positive vibes. You know what I mean? But you're also feeling things deeply. You got a lot of empathy and that, you know, it's part of having a sentimental heart. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just it's just something, and, and that that last line is just so you know. And I don't really mind that it's that it's starting to get to me, and because I don't know anything else, I wouldn't know how to be anybody else or any, any live any other way. So that that's kind of what it did to me. That's 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 what struck me. So good lyrics, man. 
Yeah, I mean, just just to clarify, the song is called Samstown, and Samstown is is a Las Vegas casino, like right off the strip. It's not like in the dead center of Vegas, to my knowledge. And I think the whole song is actually about um, because at one point in the song, it's like I've seen Samstown, I've seen London. Um, It's about a small town person like dreaming, dreaming about going somewhere better. Um, Right. And and uh, you know they they the band. Um, they're, they, I think they're Anglo, like they're, they're consider themselves kind of Anglophiles and they like the idea of creating their own mystique about their hometown. Cause the band, um, Brandon Flowers is from Las Vegas. Tell me uh, what, it, just to, not to interrupt you, Sean, but yeah. Anglophiles, what is that? So I don't even, I'm not really t- totally sure what Anglophiles are. Oh, okay. Cause um, I really, I, I don't ask, I'm asking you in all sincerity. I don't. I honestly think it's because Anglo. Think about it, Anglophile, Anglo-Saxon. Um, when I looked it up, it was basically a, a person who was f- greatly fond or admires England or Britain. Okay. Um, so these they're Americans, but they really admire Britain. So okay. Um, I don't know. When I was reading about some of the meanings of the lyrics, I came, I came across that, and they said that the 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 New Order and the Smiths um, they did the same thing with Manchester. Uh, references to exotic northern locales. Um, and I guess the killers wanted to do a similar type of thing. They wanted to create a mystique about their hometown. Um, so maybe the angle files is cause they're from Vegas, but they really, the killers are huge in England. They're huge in England. Um, right. so they wanted to create a mystique maybe about London and Vegas. I'm not totally sure. Like what I, I mean, I, I take these lyrics and I interpret in my own way and I get my own meanings from them, but I do look up the general meanings of lyrics and how everyone else is interpreting them. Mm-hmm. Um, so apparently like the, the killer's bassist, uh, Mark Stormer, he can see the, the Samstown venue uh, through his childhood window. Um, so Samstown obviously had a special meaning to him and they just created this amazing, they, they named the album Samstown, not just the song, the album's named Samstown. Um, so I don't know. You gotta listen to the whole song and really just digest it. But I just isolated these specific lyrics. Um, right. I'll be on, I'll be on the treadmill and this song will come on. You got Joe, I'll send you the link after the, after the show and you can really check out the song. I think you're really going to like it because, you know, I'll be on the treadmill. I'll hear this, the, you know, that, that lyric, I've got this energy beneath my feet, like something on the ground is going to come up and carry me. And then the way he's singing at the beat, that's like a really fast beat, fast paced song. Um, and he's like, I've got this sentimental heart that beats, but I don't really mind that it's starting to get to me. And it's just, it's just a whole, it's almost like a, it's like a beautiful type of uh, whole story that the song tells. And that's the beautiful thing about lyrics. You can isolate, like we do on the show, isolate specific lyrics from a, from a song and make them your own and, you know, feed your, feed your energy, feed your mind, give yourself adrenaline, give yourself some positive vibes with the music that you like. And just this song to me has always meant a lot. Uh, cool. I just really love it. Cool. It's good um, so yeah. Uh, and then I read another thing. It says uh, someone, the person talk, starts singing the song, envisions the big lights of Samstown in London, and he knows that making it to these exciting places will spiritually free him. Um, so to me, it's almost like there's someone from a small town, and they want to make it to the bright lights, like a bigger city. They're a small town person, and right. they want to get to one of these big cities, and that's Samstown in this case. It's just the they're using Samstown as the uh, the place. It happens to be in Vegas, but anyway, great song. Um, Joe, did you know today's National Chopsticks Day, National Frozen Yogurt Day, and National Lame Duck Day? 
<laughs> no, no, and no. Because <laughs> we're going to start doing that in the show. We're going to start throwing. We're gonna, I've been trying to make it a point to like look up what, because every day it seems to be something else. It's celebrating something. Right. So um, today's National Chopsticks Day. Didn't know that. Not sure anybody's celebrating that. Maybe there are people out there. National Frozen Yogurt Day. Um, and lame duck today. So that's, uh, that's, that's what today is. <laughs> um, you watch Saturday Night Live? I did watch Saturday Night Live this week. And it was, um, to me, as I told you last week, it's, you can't hold a candle lately to what it used to be. And I don't want to sound like an old curmudgeon or I'm just telling you the truth that it can't. Most people will tell you that. However, this last week, for whatever reason, the skits were a little, a little funnier. They weren't what they you know, still weren't, you know, but uh, for for what it's been lately, this was a better episode of the of the show, you know, of the recent show. And uh, I found myself laughing a little bit, which is what, um, what was, you know, a refreshing change. What what did you think of uh, Pedro Pascal? How do you think of him as a host? I don't know. I thought of him as a host, but I felt like he fit into the skits uh, a little better than most hosts, which made it funnier. You know, when he's sitting around with with uh, play, he's playing the uh, the Latin mother, and he's sitting around that playing was, a mother. That was so funny. That, that was a great one. <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. And there were a couple of three of these skits that I thought that's actually did a pretty good job. You know, I, it was it was I wasn't on the floor rolling around, but it was funnier, funnier than normal, and I enjoyed it. So, yeah. Did you like the punchline of that one? Like she's being really mean to her. She's like, "Oh, this girl. What is she? She's not going to be making money. She's not going to do anything." You know, what kind of girl is she? Her major is like architecture, not architecture, something random like anthropology or something something that doesn't always lead to a lot of money. Yeah. But then at the very end of the skit, um, you know, she says like the, the her son, uh, Pedro Pascal, he's playing the mother, obviously. Uh, he tells her, he tells her that uh she's like religious and she's like Catholic or something like that. And then automatically she's like super happy and she starts slapping him. Said, why don't you tell me? Why don't you tell me that type of thing? So I thought that was a good that was a good punchline to the whole thing. Yeah, well, they get to finally down to the very end, and and the, the girls got this feeling that the mother doesn't like her and all this, and she's really trying to just persevere. And the mother says, We ought to eat, and then the girl says, Well, first we gotta say grace. Yeah, yeah. And then she, the mother looks at his look, he he looks at her and says, and then gives gives the son like a rap, like a like a little slap on the face. Why didn't you tell me she was a good girl? Where are my grandchildren going to be? That kind of thing. It was it was funny. It was funny. Yeah. Um, did you like the the one where like he's in bed in the hospital bed? Did you see that one? Well, um and what do you think about that I, one? I just I just think that it's it's a not that funny to begin with that people from California may talk a little bit differently. So <laughs> then they exaggerated it. And okay, if it's for a line or two, it's funny, but they just went on and on and and it just it was just ridiculous. it was like dude after the first 45 seconds it's not funny anymore it's just it's just but it was okay it was okay it was it was okay i thought it was funny because uh she's like his wife is like honey you're in an accident and then he says why are you calling me honey in that voice of his <laughs> yeah. um and then she says, I'm your wife. And he says, okay, not today. And then he kept saying, you know, he said, like, put a pin in it. He liked to, to be her being his wife. He's like, let me just put a pin in that. Um, I don't know. I thought it was clever. I thought it was because think about it, they, these people have so much pressure on them every week to come up with funny skits and be original. And like, they do it every week. And yes, they're recycling some stuff and using some concepts and different things that are, but like, Joe, you have to really think about like it takes a lot of work to be original and do a weekly, like really funny show. You know, it's like, it's just a lot of pressure. 
Uh, I'm not trying to make excuses for them, but everyone compares it to the heyday of the SNL back in the 70s and the 80s and when it first started. And I always say comparison is a thief of joy. I know you hate those quotes, but um, if you don't compare it to the old shows and just take it for what it is and just appreciate, hey, every Saturday night, we have a really funny show. They're doing the show live. Um, something I get to enjoy on my Saturday night. And it's at 1130 at night. You know, most people are home by that time. I just appreciate it so much. There's musical guests. They have weekend update. It's a nice, it's a, just a nice um, like routine that I have to enjoy it on Saturday. I don't know. I, I know you're a little, you're a little less enthusiastic than I am, but um, well, I still know. watch it though. You know, I still watch it because it's different. It's live TV. And depending on who the host is or who host is and whatever, and for whatever reason you may watch or whatever, maybe the musical guest is, I mean, one of the best, um, one, one of the best things I've ever seen was Eminem did a couple of songs on there. Matter of fact, I'm going to save that for my lyrics sometime, but Eminem, uh, this has gone back, I'm going back a couple of years now, but it's one of the best things I've ever seen. One of the best live performances I've, I've really ever seen, um, he did a couple of his songs. Um, I like the way you lie. And the other one is I, I walk on water, but only when it freezes, I walk on water and no, I'm not Jesus or something like that. I'm going to have to get those lyrics. I'm going to come on here. There'll be my lyrics one day. Um, but just awesome stuff. Now, my point is I digress. My point is I watch it every week because it's live. It's different. It's, it, it's, you get a, a musical host and, and what the hell, but I, I can't help but compare. And you know, the only thing if it is, 20 years from now, if it's still on, 25 years from now, you may compare it back to like, you know, because that, that that's that's what it is. That's what, you, you know, that's yeah, but what I, I've aging been, is. I grew, but I grew up on it, too. Like when I was a kid, when I was like really young, I, I started watching SNL really young. I mean, I was watching when Will Ferrell was on. Yeah, I guess. Um, you, yeah, yeah. Molly Shannon. Um, so I was like, you know, I, I got indoctrinated into SNL pretty young. You know, I, I started just mm. like. I had like I have like the DVD. I have the best of Chris Farley. I have the best of Will Ferrell. I had those on DVD. You know what I mean? I've been I've been a fan, and I know those guys are great. And Chris Farley was even before my time, but I got the best of Chris Farley on DVD, so I know a lot of skits that he's in. Um, you know, you're saying I'm going to compare it in 25 years, but listen, I, I'm I'm looking. I'm basically that's 25 years ago now that I'm talking about, and I'm still enjoying the show. Is what I'm saying. I don't know. It's just one of well, those things. I, I like it, you know. But what if we didn't have it, right? What if we didn't have SNL? Would you miss exactly. it? Exactly, I would, and that's what I was just going to tell you. I watch it every, not every single. I, I think I watch it enough, almost every week, and for the reasons, for the aforementioned reasons, I watch it, and I just don't. And I, I, every once in a while, I sit there and go, <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, okay. But I, I used to go like just totally like, you know what they're missing. And look, I'm going to watch it, Sean. I'm glad it's on. I hope they keep it on. But you know what they're missing? They're missing that that moment where a new skit, a new skit, you know, is about to take place and a character walks in. And the second you see that character, you know, this thing's going to be funny. Like the second you would see, uh, you know, a conehead or the second you would see Gumby, like, with you know, with with Murphy or the second you would see, um you know, um, what's his name? Um, uh, Dana Carvey and those guys dressed as um, Billy Cri and Billy Crystal dressed as like you know, Maury Amsterdam or something like that. Or, or you know, one of the one of those or the big guy, um, um, Chris Farley with with, uh, you know, down by a river. You're going to be living in a van down by a river. You know, that, when you would see him, when you see that recognizable character 
And it would be like, oh, you know, this is going to be great. And you would see that character at least every other week, if not every week, probably every other week. But you would see characters on a regular basis. And I think they just they don't they don't really I don't know. Did if you any, like uh, did you like characters. Mr. Did you like the character, Mr. Peepers? One, he was like Chris Kattan was like a monkey and he was like eating everything. He was like a human, but he was like he was acting pretty much like a monkey. Yeah, you I remember, remember that right one? now. He used to jump up on a table and stuff. Um, I guess yeah, it was okay. Yeah. I guess it was okay. I guess it was okay. okay. Um, yeah, see, you kind of have a different sense of humor. So a lot of things. I mean, or, you, you know, find something really funny, and then I'm like, you know, or the one guy that used to say, "I'm just a caveman, caveman lawyer." <laughs> Whatever it was, I don't understand your world. I'm just a caveman. I think he passed away too. That actor. Um, oh. <laughs> He was in the Farley days and so forth. I can't, isn't that something I can't remember his name? But um, he used to do a, a caveman lawyer and it would be in court and he'd have his, like, he'd be looking yeah, like that, a that's, Neanderthal. That's, that's what I said last episode. Uh, Phil Hartman played him. Phil I think. Hartman. Yeah, this guy. I mean, just one of those things where, where you see this recognizable character and a repeat character. Uh, when you said Mr. Peepers, I thought you were going to say Mr. Bill. And they used to have this thing with Mr. Bill, this little guy made out of clay. They used to do that, you know, kind of, you know, um, it was a little, that was a little goofy, but um, yeah, it, look, it's on, I watch it. Um, the writing just isn't what it used to be. And, and I think everyone will say that, but it doesn't mean to turn it off and cancel it. Maybe they'll make a turnaround. Maybe they'll, you know, maybe things will change. You know, maybe the pendulum will swing back again. I don't know. What about uh, Mad TV? What did you like Mad TV when that was on? I think I know I watched SCTV with um, John Candy and and those. That was really really funny. That was some of those people. Uh, you don't really remember? Made it, you don't remember Mad TV when they had Coach Hines? You don't remember Coach Hines? That whole that skit with Coach Hines, the 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 black guy. Um, he was bald. He was a teacher. He was Coach Hines. Um, no. Oh, that was a funny. That was one of Mad TV's best one. We'll talk. Well, on future episodes, we'll talk more about like some of these skits and some of these fun because we could isolate certain skits and we could talk about them for over ten minutes at least. Yeah, um, but sure, that's what they, that's what they need. Though they just need repeat recognizable characters on this show the way they used to, and I think that would go a long way. But who am I? I mean, I'm just just yeah. an observer. Um, let me ask you a question. Um, when you if you order takeout, right? You order takeout from a restaurant, like a real restaurant. Like, you know, where you go down and sit down and eat. It could be even be a diner. Do you feel obligated to tip? Yeah, sure. If someone's bringing me something. Um, no, no. It's like, it's like you're picking, like you're not sitting down. You're, you take out. Like you're actually just, you call in, you call your order in. Oh, not and like I go a, pick it up. Not like a fast food place. Not like a pizza place. Well, even a pizza. Just think about like a real restaurant, right? Like, do you think it's like, do you think you should be tipping the same amount you would as if you were eating at the restaurant being served? Oh, if I'm going to go pick my order up at the restaurant? Yeah. Okay. I thought you meant if someone's delivering to my front oh, door. No, no. Okay. Yeah. No, if I'm going to go pick it up at the restaurant, I absolutely positively will not give them 25% because that's what I, unless the service is horrible, I give them a quarter of the bill. I give them 25%. Now, if I just go pick it up, um, look, you know, I, you know, I, if I just go pick it up and I'm feeling, and usually I do. I'll take a one or two bucks and I'll, they usually have a little jar at the counter or something. I'll do something like that, but I'm not going to start breaking off serious money. It's like, you know, for, you know, what service I'm picking it up. So yeah, because there was a, I saw a thing um, Outback at Outback Steakhouse. 
some someone went to pick up their food and the the person on the on the receipt circled who like you know got their food ready and had it ready for them when they picked it up they circled the percentages of tips and they put a star uh, around it and there was like a big thing where like the person was so offended that they were asking them the tip and they were like leading you know they were they were like kind of pushing them in the direction of the tip and saying if they don't tip it's kind of rude there was more to the story but what i'm saying is um i worked at a restaurant too as a server um i don't know i mean i don't think you should tip 20 percent, but there's there's usually a waitress uh waiter waitress preparing that food that you're gonna that you're gonna uh, be picking right. up in the restaurant so right. i think maybe like you know like a couple three maybe, bucks maybe, maybe yeah maybe like maybe like one to three dollars is yeah is fine yeah. But like not not twenty percent as a normal server would get because the server is like you know they're doing multiple tables they're bringing you the food they're cleaning your they're doing all this type of stuff that that level of tipping is not required for picking up but you know the people they do have specific people who just um, bring out food like I know at Applebee's they have car side delivery so if you order food you get you get delivered to your car and there's people who just work there all they do is deliver the food out to the car so I think in like situations like that especially if they're delivering it to your car, maybe go a little bit more, but that, I don't think 20%, you don't need 20%, but I think a little tip is, you know, a little tip, you know, find, yeah. find a happy medium. Exactly. You don't want to just, you know, give them absolutely nothing. That's not, you know, I even do that when I, you know, if I pick up a, a pizza or something, you know, uh, I'll take, you know, I'll take up because I have a little jar there and that's like, you know what? I appreciate you making me a good pizza and it's a good place and I'm here a lot. And here's a buck. I'll put a buck in and they always yeah. have and they, they know the score. They know the score, for, you know. For pizza, you usually do about like a dollar. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but there's a new, there's a new like controversy, not a controversy, but I think that's annoying people. They have these tablets where people are like, you know, they 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 put the tablet towards you and you're you're expected to tip, but they don't have they don't have you write in the number. They are. They started eighteen percent, then twenty percent, then twenty two percent, and I'm talking about like just little things like going to a normal store. We're like, okay, why am I tipping here? Or like, you know, even at the restaurants, like the, the start. If they start out at twenty percent, so unless you click custom and you type in your tip, you know, you're going to be tipping about twenty percent. So that's been like a new thing that's been going on. Like they they have a thing where they're like encouraging people to go twenty percent for like non you know not waiter services. So. Um, little pet peeves that people have these days, I guess. Yeah. And I'm saying yeah. everybody in the service industry should be respected. I realized that. And during COVID, we lost a lot of service workers. Not a lot of people want to work in the service industry anymore, but they deserve tips. But it's the question of, you know, how, what percentage, right? Because they're like, like we just said, they're not supposed to get what a server does. However, they are doing a job. They do rely on tips. I don't know what they're like. For example, if I order from like a nice restaurant, I go to pick it up and someone like, you know, brings me out the, the bag of the food. I have to sign something or whatever. Um, I want to know, like, are, are they getting paid hourly? Are they getting paid like a normal hourly wage? Or are they making, because the servers only make about like $2 an hour. They make like, like no money because it's all, they get all cash basically. So if, if I knew that these people were just making like $1 an hour, then I'd feel really bad. I'd be like, oh yeah, that's, they live off tips. But I think they're, I think the people who actually like, are just in charge of like bringing out the food. I think they're, they're, they're making like, you know, normal hourly, hourly wage. So it's not one of those things where you have a guilt trip about, you know? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so I saw a couple movies recently. Uh, I saw knock at the cabin and 80 for Brady. Uh, let me just say that knock at the cabin was one of the best movies I've seen this year. 
um, even in the last two years. Knock of the Cabin was an M. Night Shyamalan movie. It is such a like a gripping thriller, an edge of your seat type of movie. I was locked in the whole movie. Dave Bautista did excellent in it. He's a former wrestler. He's actually a really good actor too. I don't know if he's quite rock level. He doesn't have rocks looks, but he might be a better actor than the rock, but he just doesn't have the rocks looks. But anyway, this movie was awesome. Basically um, a couple has their daughter at a cabin house and these four people show up out of nowhere and they give them an ultimatum and they say, you know, if you, if one of you doesn't like kill kill each other, then you know the world's gonna end. The apocalypse is gonna come. The world's gonna end, and that's pretty much the premise. And then I'll leave it at that. Um, right. But you I don't want to spoil. That's all, that's, all, that's all I really knew going into it. And then I learned as I was watching the movie. Like, oh my god, this is what the concept is. This is very interesting. Um, very good movie. I really enjoyed it. I would probably give it a eight point four. That's how much I liked it. Um, as far as eighty for Brady goes. You know, it's a bunch of older ladies in it. So you're not looking at like the younger, because I'm 36. You're not looking at like these younger actresses. So you don't really have a lot of eye candy during the movie. Um, the theater that I went to was full of old people. And I found myself laughing at a lot of different parts, but the old people weren't laughing. So I think whoever wrote the movie had some younger, hipper jokes. Like a lot of times, because they're trying to basically get into the Super Bowl. So there had a lot of scenes where there was a security guard, like preventing him from getting into somewhere or doing something. I, I had so many times where I was laughing at what the security guards were saying to these older women. And it was like really clever, witty lines, but the, the crowd around me wasn't like, <laughs> and laughing at the same thing, but I was probably the youngest person in the theater. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, you know, this movie's, you know, it's aimed toward a lot of different people, a lot of different demographics, but this, the theater is full of old people and these jokes aren't landing with these old people. So, I mean, I love Tom Brady. He's probably the best quarterback ever. The movie was a lot better than I expected. I'd probably give it 6.7. 6.7, um, 6.7, knock in the cabin. I gave it 8.4. Um, really in, depends what you want to see. I mean, knock in the cabin might be a little bit controversial for some people. And then it might be like, what is this? And you know what? I don't really get it, but I really enjoyed it. Highly recommend it. Um, and me and you were talking a little bit about uh Grubhub. Um, what's your experience ordering Grubhub? When you get the food, is it hot enough for you? Well, I was, I thought I told, I, I wasn't sure maybe I didn't tell you that uh, the only time I've really done anything like close to Grubhub, I've never actually signed up for Grubhub and so forth. The only experience I've had, I did order Pizza Hut. Uh, and this is like within the last year, I ordered Pizza Hut and had them deliver it. And it's just not the same. It's not the same as when I go pick it up and bring it home and eat it. You know what I mean? It's just, it's not the same. It's, it's just, it takes longer or whatever it is. I don't know what the deal is, but I, I've heard the same about Grubhub that it, it's, you know, think about it. I mean, it goes from the counter to this person's car and then they have other deliveries by the time it gets to you. And that time is critical with a lot of food. So I've never done the Grubhub. I, I actually might because sometime I might be so hungry I don't even give a damn and I don't feel like leaving the house. But for the most part, um, I will. And especially like with, with Taco Bell, I mean, there's a beautiful new Taco Bell near me. So I get the stuff and I sit there and I'll eat it right there. And it's even it, it, the truth is it's even really better right there. It's even, you know, yeah, yeah it really is. So uh, my experiences with Grubhub is, is nil. My experience with having food delivered is, is some, but, um, uh, I like to eat it there. And if I can't eat it there, I'm at least going to pick it up and bring it home myself. So. Yeah. I mean, cause I, I ordered a Mexican pizza, uh, from Grubhub last night and, 
it was like cold. It wasn't like, cause Mexican pizza, sometimes it's not made properly. Like you're supposed to be able to pick up those pieces cleanly. I know there's a lot of yes. sauce, and a lot of things in the way that your hands can get really messy, but it was just like a mess. Um, and then not only that, I had so much Taco Bell last night that like today I felt like crap when I woke up and it wasn't necessarily stomach issues. It was like, I'm like really stuffed up. And this is always, this is happening in my whole life. I eat too much fast food and too much junk. I will get sick. You really um, think you it was said the, not like that? You, you said for you, maybe it's like a stomach thing, but you don't really get a cold or anything like that. So it's interesting. So well, everybody's body is different. Yeah, well, most people, if most people complain about Taco Bell, I haven't had this experience where most people complain about Taco Bell. It's it's a gastro thing that they're complaining about. It's not like cold symptoms. So I think your cold symptoms may have come from, you know, maybe you're, you're somewhere, whether it's work or gym or whatever, if you're around a lot of people, because there's some vicious stuff floating around right now, man. It just is. Yeah, I mean, I take vitamin C every day. I take a multivitamin. I work out seven days a week. And the only thing I can think of is I was feeling pretty much fine yesterday. And then I had to talk about it. And today I don't feel good. So I'm just, you know, thinking, okay. But I also have the prior experience where yeah. I eat too much junk food. Like I said, also, maybe it could be like a lack of sleep. I didn't get as much sleep last night as uh-huh. I wanted. So, yeah, that's a biggie, Sean. That's gigantic. It's yeah. gigantic. Because that's when your body, that's when your body, it strengthens, and we, even way back when when I used to be in the in the weightlifting and bodybuilding stuff, they would a buddy of mine says, "Yo, man, that's when your body grows. Your body actually your body actually grows. So you're lifting weights and you're pumping iron. Get the sleep because that's when you're really going to your body's going to grow and you're going to get the gains and so forth. I mean, but not only that, but you're." regenerative type things and, and your your you know your uh, immune system and so forth sleep is crucial for so many things so i would if i were guessing i would i would guess that the lack of sleep had more to do with it than the uh, nachos bro <laughs> yeah. okay fair enough fair enough i'm just guessing um, let's move on to our actor um joe unfortunately this week we're not doing ed harris i know you know we got Ed See, Harris coming up. I know he's coming soon. I told you, and as a matter of fact, I know a friend of Ed Harris's that said something to me the other day. And I said, oh, look, I'm, we're going to get to him. We're going to get there. I promise you. I, I'm just, I, I was going to do it last week, but I got, it's something else happened. I got, you know, so I had to bump him out, but we're going to get a, no problem. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Apologies. Apologize to uh, Ed Harris. Absolutely. Uh, we'll be on one of these days. <laughs> um, so our actress of the week is Kira Knightley. Um, she was born March 26, 1985. She's from London, England. Um, she's always impressed me. She's like a unique sort of, um, kind of a wholesome actress. Like you don't get any vibes that she's like, you just get a vibe that she's like wholesome. And I'll give you some reasons for that in a second, but, um, she was immersed in acting from a young age. Both of her parents were actors. Um, she actually had difficulties of reading and writing as a child, but she overcame it. And she had no formal training as an actor, despite her parents being actors. She did it out of pure enjoyment. Um, so it wasn't like her parents were forcing her to be act, be an actress and like training her and formally making her like this robot actor. She kind of just did it out of pure enjoyment. She grew up around it. Um, she's interesting. I mean, I watched some interviews with her um, on some late night shows and whatnot that I found on YouTube. Um, she said she was always offered supportive wife roles and the pretty woman that was a victim of violence, but she wanted to play other roles. Um, and she's, she's drawn to period pieces, period pieces are, you know, period pieces. They take place in a different time period. Right. Um, she says she's drawn the female drawn the period pieces because the female roles are better than modern supportive wife and girlfriend roles. She gets a ton of offers for being the, the supportive wife and the girlfriend. Um, 
but she doesn't want to be those roles. She she's more drawn to the period roles. That's cool. She, she thinks uh, those roles are better for her as an actress, and she can really showcase her skills and talent instead of being typecast in these, you know, the, the typical roles that she gets offered. Um, and she was actually famous from a young age because she was in a movie called Bend It Like Beckham. She was born in 85. So Bend It Like Beckham was like around 2002. Um, and that was one of her like breakout roles. But um, she was famous at a young age and it took a toll on her mental health. So she had to uh, take a step back from acting and get some like, you know, mental health help. And I respected her admitting that. I love when pe- like people in the spotlight admit that they have some mental health struggles because sure. mental health can be looked down upon. Oh, if you have something wrong with you, you're crazy or people want to be around you. You're cancerous. You almost have leprosy. Not the case. Most people in this society, in this modern day world have some sort of struggle that they deal with. And uh, for her to talk about it openly, I really respect that. Yeah, um, any, anything we can do to lift the stigma, certainly. Yeah. Certainly. So as far as the movies that she's been in, she's been in like a lot of like I haven't seen a lot of her movies because I'm not. I'll be honest with you, I'm not a huge fan of period pieces. I don't. That's not my first choice to go watch period pieces. Um, so there's a lot of movies that, that she's been in that I have to check out. Um, but w- I did watch a movie to kill two birds at one stone because we just did Sam Rockwell on Friday. We're doing Kira Knightley tonight, so I watched this movie called Laggies. Uh, it's from 2014. I really enjoyed it. It, it jumped into my top five. Um, it was that good. It's basically about a, a a girl who's going through a quarter life crisis. She's almost 30 years old. She's about to be engaged to be married and she starts freaking out. So she befriends this like 16 year old girl. I know it sounds strange, but she befriends this girl because she buys liquor for her at a liquor store. Um, but then she ends up going to the girl's house to hide away from like her husband or whatever. And like the girl's dad comes home, Sam Rockwell. And he's basically saying, what the hell are you doing here? Why are you in my house? And she explains her whole story and why she's there and anything, you know, why she's, what, what reasons she's there. Anyway, long story short is a romance kind of develops between her and Sam Rockwell. Um, it's a cute story, kind of like a, a different type of rom-com. Um, I thought it was really funny and I thought Rockwell and her did an excellent job in that movie. So that made it into my top five. That's called Laggies. My friend at work uh, told me about that last week. As I said, I was doing Keir Knightley soon and he's like, dude, did you ever see Laggies? And I was like, no, I never heard of it. So thanks for the recommendation, Anthony. Um, so top five. Um, number one is Love Actually. Joe, did you ever see Love Actually? No, I haven't. Um, everybody, that movie is like known. It's like a really famous like Christmas movie. But it's, just, it's a phenomenal like British love story. And it has all different characters. And you see each character. And she happens to be a character in that movie um, who's, you know, She's really attractive, but she's married to this other guy and the guy's best friend really likes her. And there's a whole storyline that develops with her and this guy. But Love Actually, if you talk to any girl, most of them will tell you they've seen Love Actually. They watch it every year, at least once a year. It's that it's that like kind of culty type movie. So that's number one. Love Actually. Number two is actually Laggies. Really like Laggies. Uh, I chose number three. I didn't even realize it because I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Like I, I love Star Wars. Uh, I loved it. I loved it more back in the day. Now these days, you know, it's still good, but it's all over the place. They have shows, they have spinoffs, they have cartoons. Disney bought Disney bought it from George Lucas, the franchise, and it's kind of, it's kind of. Uh, I, I'm happy. Listen, I'm, I'm not saying I'm not happy that there's more Star Wars stuff, but it's everywhere. But before that, there was a, there was Episode One because the the trilogy, the original, those are episodes four, five, and six. Um, but episode one is called the Phantom Menace. Um, she was in that. 
I actually saw that in the movies with my soccer teammates when I was younger. I didn't even realize I can't speak to her role in that, but I just know that, you know, that I love Star Wars. So I had to put Star Wars in my top five. There's no way a Star Wars movie wouldn't get in my top five if I'm doing an actor. Um, so she was in that. Uh, then she was in a movie that I really enjoyed from 2011 called The Dangerous Method. Uh, it's about the two, you know, you know, you know, uh, um, Carl Jung and Freud, the two uh, famous like people who know a lot yes. about psychology. Yes. Jung and Freud. Mm-hmm. So in that movie, Jung, it's about it's about uh, Jung and Freud. It's about it's really cool. It's about you get to see uh, Jung and Freud. Hopefully, I'm pronouncing these this correctly. Jung and Freud. Jung. J- yeah. Mm-hmm. J U N G is how you pronounce Jung. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't because I don't think it's Jung. I know it's not Jung. I'm pretty sure. They some people say Jung. Yeah. But she plays a very ill woman who they're trying to like fix with some of their, right. their methods. That's why it's called a dangerous method because some of Freudian and stuff and Jung's methods were kind of frowned upon back back in the day. Uh, but she plays a very ill woman. And there's there's some scenes where you're like, whoa, this woman's really ill. But she does an excellent job like portraying this very ill woman. And whatever symptoms she has, if you look up the actual illness, um, she does a great job portraying it. Um, so I, I thought that movie was awesome. Um, that's number four. And then number five, uh, it's called The Imitation Game. That's what Benedict Cumberbatch, um, she plays kind of like a genius in that movie. Uh, she gets recruited because she, she completes a crossword puzzle and she calls the number. And basically, it's like the British intelligence agency recruiting people who can solve this crossword puzzle. And they're like, you solved this puzzle? Did you really solve this? And she's like, yeah. Uh, but it takes place during World War II. And it's about an English mathematical genius, Alan Turing, who Benedict Cumberbatch plays. They try to crack a code, um, the German code. It's a German enigma code with the help of fellow mathematicians. That's why they're recruiting really smart people. And she plays someone named Joan Clark, who's the real person, who, who was a real person, Joan Clark. Mm-hmm. Um, she was actually nominated for Best Supporting Actress in that uh, for Academy Award. So I think she was also nominated for there's a there's a famous book called Pride and Prejudice. You probably heard of it, but they made it I've into a movie. It. What you you've heard of it? Yeah. Yeah. So she was at that, and you know I think I had to watch that in college. Like, I took a I took a course in college about like literature, and we had to like watch Pride and Prejudice and read it. Um. So I don't know. That movie was like probably like a very objectively well made movie, and she probably was really good in it. That's why she got nominated. But I just don't really remember it. So that's my top five. Uh, I, she's she's just an excellent actress. Uh, she could play all sorts of roles. Like I said, she played some mentally ill woman in a dangerous method. She played the love interest in Love Actually, which is a modern day movie. Uh, she's in period pieces all the time. Then she was in a movie called Seeking a Friend for the End of the World with Steve Carell from 2012, but I haven't seen that movie. I'm surprised I haven't seen it. It's just one of those movies I never got a chance to watch. So that might have that might have made it into my top five, but she's really famous for being in Pirates of the Caribbean with Johnny Depp. And I've seen all those, and I just never – I'm not a big fan of these big franchise movies. I don't like these big Marvel movies. I, like, I'm yeah, not, sure I'm I don't not like either. I'm They're not, not my favorites. It's superhero movies and these big CGI and these like movies that cost almost a billion dollars. Like I just said, yeah. I saw Avatar two recently. I didn't really like it. Um, so she was. She's really famous for being. A lot of people will tell you, like you know, do you know Kira Knightley? They're like, oh, she was in Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, she was in Love Actually. Um, so yeah, she's known for Pirates of the Caribbean, but she's much more than that. She's much more than just a franchise actress. She's very versatile. I think she's going to have a really long career. You know, she's still young. She's about thirty seven years old. So I look forward to following her career and seeing what else she's in. 
And I didn't know a lot of these things. It's, that's what's great about doing the show. I'll I'll catch up on what's going on with these actors and how, you know what type of people they are through their late night interviews. And she seems very interesting. She's also very attractive. Yeah. Um, just asking you, Joe. Do you? When I mentioned we were doing her for the show, you knew who she was, right? Oh, I knew. Yeah, I knew who she was because I remember seeing her in whatever. I remember, I, she's big in in the commercial game too. She does some commercials when, and just she's just she's she's just um, she's a remarkably attractive. Just her, just from the, just her face is just a beautiful. She really does. She really has a, and she always reminded me a little bit of um there's a there's another one there's another actress that looks you're not confusing her with natalie portman are you i was just gonna say those two look alike yeah. i was just gonna say they, she they looks really, a lot like natalie portman i i love that but i'm portman. not confusing the two no but she looks a lot like natalie portman and vice versa um yeah. but yeah, yeah they look like, like they could uh, be sisters they're both gorgeous yeah. women i didn't remember, I, I forgot Karen Nutley was in commercial i think she was in she was in a coco chanel uh, yes chanel fragrance commercial yes you know? and i remember her from that commercial something about a there's a, she walks out of an apartment and jumps on a boat or i think a little i think it's a, a like a it might be in italy or so i don't know what it is but um but i think it's a perfume commercial but that was not the point the point was like wow look at that i mean she's and I, i've seen yeah. her in, yeah extreme, extremely attractive and i've seen her in different shows and movies uh along the way but nothing that like landmark or anything like that now let me ask you a question just to harken back to this love actually i don't think i've seen that but is that the one because what i did see recently was um, a bunch of people talking about that was like the 25th anniversary of that or something like that. And Laura Linney somehow played a big part in that movie, I think. Well, it's, and it's, and, it's and Grant, does you, did you, Grant, play a big part yeah, in that? You, Grant, was in that. Uh, Liam Neeson. There, it was basically a lot of different a lot of different actors because it was all, it basically took, it, it showed different character storylines. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's all about like different love storylines. Eight different couples and dealing with their love lives. Interconnected tales. At one time, um, I'm going to sit down and watch that because it's so famous. But but go ahead. Yeah, um, but there's a famous scene in it where the guy from The Walking Dead who plays Rick, um, he he goes to her door while the husband's in the house, and he has like he instead of talk, so the husband can't hear him talking, he puts everything that he says on cue cards, and everyone loves that scene. He one thing that he says in it on the sign where she's at the door standing there, he he writes to me. You are perfect. And everyone knows that who has seen love. Actually, they, they never forget that to me, you are perfect. And that's just a really romantic scene. Right. Uh, right. And you know, she's out. She's just loving that scene. So was that, the yeah, damn, she, was that the damn movie that the, 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 the girl says, I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy. Is it did, did that kind of, <laughs> is that the no, same one no, or is no, that no. a different one? See, I like, I, no. totally, I haven't seen, I haven't seen love. Actually, it's not my kind of flick, but because it's famous, I do want to watch it. Um, so I'm going to watch it, but I thought, and what, what, what's that other one? I'm that, 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 cause that's a famous scene. I didn't see that movie either, but I've seen that, that scene. Uh, that's, that's from Notting Hill. Okay. I'm okay. So it's, it, this is probably a long, this is probably in the same genre, this kind of stuff uh, and not my gig, but I'm going to watch this love actually, because Hey, it's famous. Laura Linney's in it. And this, this one's in it, this nightly's in it. So what the hell I'm going to watch it at some point, I'm going to watch it, I guess. 
but I just wanted to ask, we're talking, you know, I could ask a question. It's not my genre, but I do remember saying that, that one, that's look, people talk about that scene left and right. This girl standing in front of a boy and all that kind of blah, blah, blah. And I just wanted to make sure it wasn't the same damn movie, yeah. but uh, same genre. But uh, yeah. that's why we have these yeah. conversations. Bro. You, man. <laughs> if you, uh, if you happen to be out on a date with a, a girl, and she asked you what love actually, if you've seen love actually, you're going to, I think you're going to get extra brownie points. Dude. You're going to get extra points. She's going to be like, man, this guy is really sensitive and he likes rom-coms. He's seen love actually. And you can quote the scene. No, what I'll tell He's her is, like, yeah, I watched that, but you know, I really like the notebook better. And then oh, that'll no, that, like, that, yeah, the hook line and sinker there. <laughs> the, well, because you know what too? I did like the notebook. I don't mind telling you that. I told yeah, you that for personal talk, yeah, reasons too, exactly. but yeah, yeah. I, the notebook was yeah. a good, that's a damn good movie. Now, now you got me thinking, dude. We're gonna do. I'm. Can I call it right now that I'm choosing Rachel McAdams for one of the show? That's gonna be my actress because I love Rachel McAdams. Oh, who doesn't? She's another one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. I'm starting, I got. I got dibs on choosing uh, Rachel McAdams for one of our shows. We'll do her one one of these episodes for sure. All right. Uh, you see Wedding right. Crashers? Wedding Crashers. <laughs> With Vaughn and uh, I've seen parts of it. I don't know if I've ever watched the um, entire that's, thing. Yeah, that's I, classic. I did actually. I think I did because I, I I don't think I would have turned away. They were pretty good in that. I think I saw it, but it's been so long ago. I can't remember every scene, you know. But yep. you know, it was um, okay. okay. So that's that's your actress of the week, Kira Knightley. Um, great actress. Seems like a really cool person. Uh, really good individual. Uh, besides being an actress, so. Respect to her. And uh, yeah. All right. So we're moving on to Snapple fact number 94, Joe. Lizards communicate by doing push-ups. Wow. I do remember <laughs> seeing that. I don't know if it was on an actual Snapple top or when I was uh, scanning over the facts. I believe that that is, that's, yeah, I, I, yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing that. I don't think they're uh, actually they, doing push-ups. I just—they're probably. No, they are. They, I swear to you. I swear to you, because they—they work out for the same reason the guy at the gym might as a display of strength. You know the, the reason why they do that? Um, it mean the more push-ups they can do, means get out of my territory. They're doing the push-ups intentionally. Um, oh, okay. Okay. And there's four species of male Jamaican lizards called anoles. They greet each other by doing vigorous push-ups. Their head bobs in a threatening extension of a colorful flap of the skin of the neck. They repeat the ritual. It's supposed to keep other lizards off their territory. They're the first animals known to use non-acoustic signal signaling at dawn and dusk. Every other animal uses like, you know, they, they do like random like bird calls and stuff and howling. Mm -hmm. They use non-acoustic. They don't, you know, no verbal. They all do the push-ups. The males, they stake out larger territories, which they have access to several females. So they have, they want all these females and they're doing push-ups to impress these females in their, their territory. Um, it really is. They spend much of their day sitting on tree trunks doing calisthenics to warn away other males. Okay, I believe it. The <laughs> animal kingdom is is full of stories like that. That's pretty, pretty cool, cool. right? Yeah, yeah, it is. Very neat. Yeah. So, I love these Snapple. It started off as like a uh, you know you, you you had the idea like, let's do Snapple facts, and I'm like okay, but it's kind of cool because it branches off into a lot of different things. You know, learn things too. Hey, they're fun. It's fun. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> I mean, um, that's the idea. <laughs> okay, so you ready? You ready to be stumped? We got the on the real segment coming up. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> okay, here we go. Remember, one's real, two are fake. On the real. Okay. 
First story. Cleaning crew caught throwing parties at vacant houses when they know the owners are away. The crew based in Roswell, New Mexico, carried on this scheme for over seven months until the owners came home early and caught them in the act of the full-fledged party going on. So they're they're a cleaning crew cleaning like these rich people's houses in Roswell, New Mexico. And uh, they had a whole thing. They, they figured out when the owners were going away. And it's kind of funny because that's, that's kind of the premise of the movie House Party. But it happened in real life, too. So I'm thinking, did they get that from the movie? Like, they, they're they using these mansions to throw parties. And they're charging, like, you know, $20 per head to get in or something like that. Or maybe even more, you know, depending on what alcohol they have and stuff. But uh, they, they were caught throwing parties at, you know, people's houses they're, when they're supposed to just be cleaning their house. So that's pretty – I saw that. I was like, oh, that's like House Party. But interesting story. Okay. Another one is uh, New Jersey because, you know, legalized sports gambling is legalized. They're expected to rethink legalized sports gambling. A bill has been proposed to make online sports gambling illegal once again because it wasn't illegal until a couple of years ago. Um, the amount of the reason that they're doing this is the amount of people seeking gambling help through 1-800-GAMBLING hotline has spiked. So there's a bill proposed. It's going to be on the floor. And it's, you know, they're gonna, they might get rid of sports gambling. So I'm kind of getting nervous. You know, I love sports gambling. So that one kind of, that kind of like really <laughs> threw me off. Um, okay. So next story, Joseph Henny's emotional support animal Wally Gator goes with them almost everywhere. He's got emotional support alligator. Um, he takes him to the grocery store. He takes him for walks in the park. They hug each other and sleep in the same bed. Um, and his name is Wally Gator. Most people in the, the community are familiar with him. Uh, he's seven years old and he's a five and a half foot emotional support alligator. Um, so I saw that story. I was like, okay, that's pretty crazy. The guy's got a emotion because everyone has most, a lot of people have emotional support dogs and whatever. Um, uh, but an alligator, that's kind of, you know, you bring him to the grocery store and stuff. I was like, where where is this fella? Where does he live? Uh, he lives in Oklahoma city, Oklahoma. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's the point that threw me off too. I saw that Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. I'm like, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. How does he have an alligator in Oklahoma? Because that made me think of your story from a couple of weeks ago with a frozen alligator in the Florida house. I'm thinking Oklahoma, but I guess Oklahoma. I don't know what they're fucking what. Sorry, the cursing. That's my that's first. That's twenty five bucks now. Twenty five. Twenty five bucks, yeah. But yes, yeah, it gets me emotional thinking about an alligator potentially killing people. But if he's the guy's emotional support animal, then you know. So, um. Yeah, so what do you think, Joe? Which one's real? Mm. You know, I saw something on the news about two months ago about a about a gator and about a guy with a gator. And it was sort of like that. Um the kids from the neighborhood would come in and actually pet it, and it was really a, a real, you know, innocuous creature at this point. Um no, I actually think I think at one point he was no, I, I confuse the stories. Um I think he's in Pennsylvania. The, the gator's in Pennsylvania, which is that's another thing. That, yeah, Pennsylvania. I, there's another story I had in the queue. Okay. Okay. I, have, okay. I didn't have that in my notes, but um, Okay. So I'm gonna say, since I saw something about this on the news, it's too long ago to remember the details. Uh, but I do remember even one of the news anchors said, you know, that's all good till it's not. <laughs> you, know you, you, I mean? watch, you watch a lot of news, so I, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, but, yeah. that all goes that all goes well until it doesn't. You know what I mean? 
Um, so you're saying you're saying the other the cleaning crew that throwing the parties and the gambling ones you're saying those are fake and well, this the one's gambling real? one I don't buy for a second because um, listen people who are making money in this and that and they did gamble and it's once you once you get a law out in the place like that and all the all the effort and everything that it took to get a law and that that in place they're not going to repeal it because because people have problems I mean why don't they shut down the liquor stores because alcoholism is running rampant and has been for for decades it's killed so many people I can't even think about it but yet. The, the the liquor stores are wide open and we have our little pretty drinks with a little ice cubes and little pieces of fruit and everything. And because it looks all pretty and nice, it's fine. Uh, it's a killer. It, it's worse than any other drug that you can really think of. Uh, matter of fact, a lot of medical people say it's one of the worst things you could put into your body on a daily basis of all the drugs. But I digress. Let me come back home here. Um, the gambling thing I don't buy for a minute, especially the reason why the, the suggested reason why they would uh, doesn't 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 ring a bell for me. So the gambling things out now I'm down to Wally Gator and the party and cleaning crew. Although I think the party and cleaning crew is a believable story, I think in this particular case um in that whatever it was roswell or wherever and they're they're setting off you know uh you know <laughs> spaceships and everything else i'm gonna say that's 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 bogus too and believe it or not i'm going because of that story i saw in the news and then the fact that you're coming back in and saying it's for, he's in pennsylvania i'm gonna say <laughs> wally gator is on the real i saw the, okay. okay so you're saying wally gator is real yes sir all right, you're right. So you do watch a lot of news, but you threw me, when you asked me the location, I didn't have the location in my notes here. <laughs> so, you know, Oklahoma. Office, what, yeah, when you I came said, back Oklahoma and said City, PA, I know that's why I threw. I because I, I, I was thinking I told him the wrong the location. He could he could use it against me. Like, oh, you told me the wrong location or something <laughs> like this. So I'm like, I got once I once I backtracked and said Pennsylvania, then I knew. But it's not you would have got it anyway. You, you you saw the news, right? You it was on. You know, it was on. Well, your, it, you know, dude, this was on like in October or November. I mean, it was and it was only a five minute story at the in the, in, in, in in the news. But I do I do remember, and I remember our local news guy saying, you know, something about you know that all goes well. To it doesn't you know because it only takes for an animal like that it takes one it takes a microsecond for that dead joker to, to like decide that's it you know <laughs> and then you got problems but um yeah so I, I i lucked out only because sean only because i saw that on the news had yeah, i not it, seen that on the news i may have bitten on the, the cleaning one? one yeah but that i think that's that's ubiquitous that those kind of things yeah. that they happen all I basically of what i did with the cleaning one is i basically took the premise i just felt the new house party i basically took the premise of house party and just used this <laughs> right, right you kind of gave it away on the on, in the commercial i mean in commercial you kind of gave it away in the description you're like just much like the the much like the premise of house party yeah, i'm like huh. a lot of things in life people get ideas from like movies and stuff and they go out <laughs> and do it in real life so a lot of people might have saw all oh, these guys made a lot of money thrown a party so it was very i thought it was very plausible to be it, true. It, it actually was even though you said that it actually was and and it was between those two that thing in the middle to repeal a bill uh is difficult anyway and then to do it because out of the kindness of their heart all these people are getting hooked on gambling they don't give a rat's ass who's getting hooked on gambling they don't care if they cared like i said they'd have done something about booze a long time ago and you know um anyway yeah. But at some point, it's personal responsibility, right? It's personal responsibility. The boot, the, the liquor store stays open, dude. Um, have a drink now once a week or so if you want, or, or you know, control yourself. But if you lose control, it's not 
Therefore, it's the same with anything else. It's I told you as a person who took and I took prescribed for my pain. I took certain opiate pills that are, you know, the Percocet and things like that for these are legitimate drugs. Right. And I took them doctor's prescription and so forth and so on. And you go up to someone and you say, well, you know, I, yeah, I take Percocet from my back. And they're like, oh, my God. They take, oh, wait, like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, these these are millions and millions and millions of people take those things because they need them and they take those things responsibly every single day. If 4% of the people who take them wind up addicted, that's a shame, but it's not their fault. It's the same thing with alcohol. It, you know, for the 10% of the people who drink alcohol become alcoholics, you can't punish the other 90% because they know how to behave and they have self-control. At yeah. some point, it's self, that's all I'm saying. You know, you know that that's all. And, and I really want to make that at some point, it's not the uh, the substance itself. It's not the law itself. It's personal responsibility. And know thyself. If you are an addictive uh, system, you have an addictive uh, person—not personality, but an addictive uh, um, central nervous system. I like to call it. If you're, and you know whether you're you're an addictive person or not, you steer clear of it, right? So that's 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 what it is. Bingo. So speaking of steering clear, uh, Brian Koberger update. Um, You ever hear about the stories where there's killers in prison, Joe, and? They have like people like women fall in love with them and write them like letters and stuff. Yeah. Cause this is what's happening already with Koberger. He's got a secret admirer. Um, yeah. So he's got secret admirers. Um, this one, it was all over the news. This one lady's like obsessed with him and she like writes some letters and she's like, she believes he's, he's her match, but she's been, she's been one of those people. Like she's been writing other guys in prison too. But imagine being attracted to a guy who stabbed four young people to death and thinking that's your match. There's something really wrong with you, right? It's it's I, I it's it's a phenomenon. Um, there's something something about women that do that. That there's there's something that's that's I don't know what the commonality is, but there's some there's some kind of a trait. There's some kind of some maybe some trauma that happened. I don't know, but it is astonishing. It really, really is astonishing. And it's happened quite a bit. It happens all the time. Because um, I'm thinking myself, I'm like, I'm, a, I'm an eligible bachelor. I'm 36 years old. I think I'm decent, you know, attractive, that type of thing. I'm in shape. I got a job. I got a podcast now. And not that the podcast really matters, but what I'm saying is I'm a presentable human being. And there's no lot of girls writing me love letters, but I'm also not a killer and also not in prison. No, they don't know who I am. But this guy has girls writing him letters and seeking him out. He just murdered four people. It's like, what kind of world are we living in where that's happening? I, I, and I, I, I don't know what 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 I what may be what may be what may be one of the things that 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 stirs this and that that keeps it going here um that perpetuates it is the fact that these women might feel like they're not going to be rejected by a schlub this fine bars and doing time and you know they the the whole fear of being rejected is gone because my god they're coming to this guy and he's behind bars what the hell's he going to do say no i mean maybe maybe it's part of that but i think it's even that could be part of it um but par, part of it is I, I, you know it they're going it'd be interesting if they really really did some like maybe they are doing research on that phenomenon, but it is a phenomenon. Um, and um, Cuddy might be doing better uh, as a prisoner than he was as a <laughs> civilian. I don't know. Yeah. But um, 
I, I don't want to talk too much about that, that Joker, if it's all right with you. Yeah. Uh, and there's one, one thing, one, because we're doing case updates. This was not, this is not, not necessarily a case update. It was just something interesting that we had to talk. Because I, you know, right. our dialogue about this issue is interesting for anybody having this dialogue. It's like figuring out why someone wants to, you know, be in love with a convicted violent killer is just, wow, it's, it's crazy. But anyway, I digress. I'm off on a tangent. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so basically, um, there, one of his victims, her name was, she was a student called Zana Kernodal. Uh, she was the only one who was able to fight it, fight back against uh, Koberger. Um, she had noticeable defensive new wounds on her hands. She repeatedly grabbed his knife, the attacker's knife, and she sustained deep cuts to her fingers that almost uh, severed her fingers. So think oh about that. Poor girl's Jeez. fighting back and her, she, she's trying to like grab the knife and her fingers are almost severed off and like... This is this is the guy. This is a killer, and this is the guy who has like women writing him love letters in prison. What are we doing here? Human behavior, Sean. It's sometimes it's it's absolutely just off the charts, unpredictable, and and that, that is it's 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 you know what oh, yeah. Let's back it up. What possesses a guy to to, to do what he did, right? The, the human behavior sometimes is really really off the charts. So yeah. the, these I women going into. Dude, I saw something in the news. Remember the story you stumped me on last night that the, the Van Noyes guy who hit the guy with the guy in the bike? Yeah. I found out the story. I found out details of the story. Uh, the guy, the guy, the driver was a black guy and he killed him because of white privilege. It was, it was a random killing. He saw a white guy on a bike. He decided to hit him with his car and then stab him to death. I'm like, what is going on with society? I, I, I don't know. I mean, and, um, uh, and I don't condone it in either way, shape or form. And I, I, I just um, but certainly, certainly the roles were reversed quite a bit. Um, you know, as a matter of fact, I think the the atrocities committed against the African-American community throughout history are probably uh, outweighed by far the vice versa. Well, I, I agree. Uh, but it doesn't right, give right. it doesn't give them no, the right to. Uh, no, it doesn't. You're yeah. right, Sean. You're right. Absolutely right. I don't condone it. I think this is just as abhorrent as that. But just to say that, it, you know, um, we, you know, we, we just when we mentioned something like this, we do, we do have to mention the other as well, that it, you know, that, that not that either two you know, wrongs don't make a right or anything like that. I just, um, you know, we no, are this, in this e equal opportunity and we're, we're in equal, you know. Yeah, the guy who we hit likely had nothing to do with. He never probably his family was never slave owners. He probably never offended black people in his life. Exactly. The guy, the guy who hit him didn't like know about him. He didn't know. Oh, this guy, he's a clear racist. He's part of the KKK. Wears a white hood. No, he saw a white guy on a bike. He was in his car. It was a nice sunny California day. He decided to hit this guy and then violently after hitting him with his car, violently stab him. There is no excuse for that, dude. No, no. I, I and if I if you feel like I was trying to offer an excuse, I'm sorry, you're wrong. I was not. I was just trying to say that we have to before we overreact or jump up and down, we have to understand, you know, we have to understand history and we have to understand what's going on. And 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 um, I could tell you stories that you know, you know, that, yeah, know. <laughs> on and on and on and on about you know. Um, a, a little a little black kid 15 years old was standing in front of a store down south and he happened to look at a white lady the wrong way and she told her husband that he was looking at her suggestive way they found this kid and they tortured him they drug him through literally tied him to the back of a pickup truck and drug him around you know that kind of thing and then when they were done beating the living shit out of him they threw him in a river um 
you know, and he obviously he drowned and so forth. Um, so, I mean, that's just, that's, that, you know, I'm just saying that I'm not, I'm not making a goddamn excuse for anything. Let's not suggest that I am. I'm just saying that these are these atrocious acts of bigotry. Uh, this wasn't the only one that occurred. I think it's horrible that it did. Um, but before we jump up and start, you know, you know, getting getting all you know defensive and getting all wild about it, um, you have to look at some of the other things that have happened too. And, and I'm not no there, no one's making an excuse. I'm just saying that uh, if we're going to acknowledge this as a horrific thing and a sad thing and a terrible thing which we are we also have to look at some of those things because it just didn't come out of nowhere you know that kind of a thing this kind of now um this guy should go to jail for 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 murder it's 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 a horrible thing this then this poor doctor didn't do any a damn thing wrong nor did that kid that you know that guy so so it's just one of these things and i just want to make sure um you know, I just want to make sure we, we look at this thing the right way. You know, we yeah, have no, to- I, I understand what you're saying. Like, th- there's a lot of there's a lot of like people who carry around anger and them for different reasons. And a lot of black people have a lot of anger thinking about um, some white people who kind of they think that they have, they have called white privilege. But in no case ever should it lead to violence is what I'm saying. So let's move on. Agreed. To Alex- Agreed, Sean. Agreed. Alex Murdoch. Um, update on Alex Murdoch case. The judge today just allowed evidence uh, of Murdoch's alleged financial crimes in a double murder trial. Um, it's a blow to the defense because they fought the admissibility of evidence. Um, they're saying fraud cases are irrelevant to the question of his guilt in the murders. Um, not true at all because his financial crimes give him motive to commit these murders. So of course they should be allowed. And I'm happy when I saw that news. So. Yeah. Um, and just a footnote to the other thing that mental health of people has a lot to do with these things, too. And I told you before, oh, I, I 99 percent of 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 99 percent of the black community are great people. OK, 99 percent of the white people people are great people. It's in that one percent of people. And sometimes, Sean, mental health has a lot to do with these things, too. That's all. But we were all brothers in Christ. And let's leave it at that. Now, to get back to to get back to Murdoch. What uh, what was the gist of, of what, what happened here? Yeah. Um, Recently. Basically, the judge is allowing the fin- – he had a lot of financial crimes. We talked about this where he was scamming people, where he was stealing money from his law firm. And he was tr- – his his team, his defense team was trying to disallow that evidence from being used in courtroom of his financial crimes. And okay. the judge today ruled that it's going to be allowed. And that's going to help prosecutors' case a lot. Yes. It's going to give him clear motive for committing the murders because his financial crimes is really what led up to the murders. He got himself in a deep hole. He couldn't get out. And then he, he did some crazy things. Yeah, I think it's, it's a very good, um, astute move by the judge. Uh, and it also shines a little more light on his character. Uh, and um, the notion that, well, one viable reason why he did this is because he got in financial trouble. Horseshit. It's not a viable reason. You know what I mean? It's a reason in his disturbed mind, in his sociopathic mind. It's 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 a rationale for him, but it's not a viable reason whatsoever. You get in financial trouble like that, you suck it up, you go bankrupt, you do whatever, but you don't kill people. 
to get your own ass out of financial trouble. You know what I mean? So, but it, to, to harken back to the judge, I think the judge is uh, very astute. We have to get all the information we can on this, on this joker and um, not allow him to, uh, to duck, you know, so that that's, that's a good thing. And I hope he gets his just desserts when this is all done. Yeah. All right. So moving on to our current event. Um, Joe, you know this. I'm sure a lot of people listening know this. Uh, there was a Chinese balloon, a spy balloon flying above our beautiful nation uh, since January 28th. And on Saturday around, I believe it was around three in the afternoon. Finally, the U.S. shot it down. Um, it was first spotted over the, you know, Western United States, I believe off Alaska. Um, China said it was just, uh, it entered our airspace by accident. It said it was a weather balloon and very, very far off course, but our state department said it's a clear violation of our sovereignty as well as international law. It's unacceptable. Um, we were supposed to have a, a diplomat. Um, there's a guy supposed to, um, go to China and do some, some sort of meeting, but it's been canceled. So we're, we're, we're just getting our relations with China on the right path. Uh, we're sending someone over like a diplomat or something, and that's been canceled because this happened. Um, but yeah, just to go back to the balloon. You know, it it's a controlled drift, apparently. Entered on January 28th, entered Alaskan airspace, um, and uh, just it probed all around different parts of the United States around that area. Uh, it was around since January 28th. Um, our defense officials say that China has spy balloons orbiting around the world at 60,000 feet at any given time. And occasionally they stray into American territory. Um, they're, they're categorized as, by the Pentagon as unidentified aerial phenomena, the same as UFOs. Um, carries solar panels for propulsion, cameras, and surveillance equipment. And apparently the Navy and the Coast Guard is going to try to uh, put together the balloon because they shot it down above water. They waited till it was above water, which was good. At least it didn't kill anybody because it was the size of the balloon was the size of three school buses. And you don't know what was inside. There's poisonous gas. What the hell is going on inside that freaking balloon? Um, but they're going to try to put it together and try to you know figure out exactly what type of uh, capability this balloon had. Um, so I don't know why it took so long for for you know the balloon to be shot down. I know they had to like make sure it was safe, but it was collecting intelligence. And, you know, there's also ways to view it like, okay, maybe America was also getting information from the balloon while it was flying around and we were collecting data, we we're intercepting data from the balloon and somehow it was helping us. So I can kind of buy that angle a little bit. Uh, but then people are, people are trying to get political. They're trying to say, oh, if Trump was president, you know, he would have shut that balloon down. Um, but then there's an article I saw in Bloomberg <laughs> saying that three, three Chinese balloons flew over us during Trump presidency. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. And uh, they're saying that, you know, but there, there also says that um, Trump never actually had a, you know, he never had an opportunity to shoot the balloons down. Well, he would probably say it was all a hoax anyway. So it's okay. Yeah. Um, so the balloons, they include jamming systems to hide their true intent. Um, but it's like crazy. I didn't even know these spy balloons existed. I didn't know because I'm thinking to myself, like, does China are they control like are they is there like a remote control from China that they're controlling where the balloon flies or is it just randomly just floating around like how exactly what are the logistics right yeah um, so I would think that China is so astute 
technologically that they would be able to um, control because there are all kind of things there to be controlled. Uh, I would think they would be able to control that thing very well. Um, and listen, here's here's the real deal. We have things over other countries too. We spy oh, too. We spy or spy moves um, have been going on for years. The super, we're a superpower. So is China. Right. Um, but there's there's a lot of spy versus spy going on for for control of semiconductor uh, production equipment, artificial intelligence tools, five G telecommunications, quantum compute, computing, um, and biological sciences. That's the that that's the new arms race. We talked about the computer chips a couple episodes ago. That's the new arms race, and we're sp- every country is spying on each other, whether you know we hear about it constantly or not. But this was just so blatant and obvious. My friend called me on Saturday. He lives in South Carolina. He FaceTimed me and I was literally watching the balloon in the air. He's like, dude, this is the Chinese spy balloon. It's above me. I was like, holy crap, really? And I was watching the balloon fly around. And like 20 minutes later, he texted me another picture. He's like, oh, they just shot it down. So, you know, it's pretty interesting. It's just a small world we live in where one of my, like basically my best friend, Matt, um, <laughs> it was right above his house. It's like, what? you know, we live in a small world. And here I am talking about it on my show. Uh, and it's a... Uh, well, not it's only mm-hmm. it is interesting, Sean, and, and not only that, it was about the size of three school buses. Okay, and if it's if it's coming from that distance and it's falling from that distance at nine point eight meters a second squared, squared, right? So it's it's an expon, it's exponential the velocity. When that thing would hit, if that thing would hit the Earth, and God forbid. Got, you know, hopefully, yeah, well, it'll land out in the cornfield, you hope. What if it, because if that lands on someone's house, it's going right through the basement. It's going to go from the roof to the basement in a, in a millisecond, hey, something that my, heavy. My, and, my argument here is like, it didn't take till, when they actually shot it down, it was above the Atlantic Ocean in South Carolina. Was it never above like a cornfield or an ocean before that? Did, why'd they, like, I feel like the balloon had to be above like some areas that weren't populated and they could have shut it down sooner. That's, that's where I'm getting angry thinking about it. I'm like, well, these balloons have high tech sensors. They hover over a site for long and they can pick up radio cellular and other transmissions that cannot be detected from space. So it's given them such an advantage. Like this balloon is doing better than satellites can do spy wise. I don't know. Uh, I do know. Go ahead. Well, I do know that. Yeah, your point is well taken. Like, geez, you can't tell me when it was over, like, you know, um, central, uh, you know, Nebraska or no, something. The, the government knows that, though. The government was, fought, like, well, they had, I think, pretty sure at all times, at least, I'm, I'm kind of happy about this. I'm pretty sure at all times, oh, yeah. they had some sort of jets in the air, like, tracking it just in case. Because just like, you know, could they, they never felt it was safe enough to do that, regardless of what you're thinking. They just yeah. never felt they wanted to take that kind of chance, chance you know, because if it goes and off course just a little bit. This, this shouldn't be a Republican versus Democrat argument. Like, okay, Trump would have shot it down. Cause I just said an article in Bloomberg where, you know, apparently this happened during Trump's administration too. And we don't know what Biden was thinking who, you know, he's, he's the president, but he's not always the final, he, he's the, he's, he's the figurehead, right? So he gets blamed for everything that goes right. He gets blamed right. for everything that goes wrong. He gets credit for right. everything that goes right. That type of thing. But he's also not the guy who's making the final call always. So, and I, I gotta be honest. I don't know if I want Joe Biden making the final call on these things. I want, I want the smart people around him who have, you know, they're, they're younger. I'm um, not saying that he's old people can't have these jobs. We've seen, I'm not going to talk about this, but Biden. Well, I don't know some, if I want any one some, guy making them. Yeah, you know, exactly. And they I don't, don't want anybody. But he's right. shown some mental lapses. 
And I'd be very like, you know, scared to have this old guy in an office. So we don't know if it has all his mental faculties making wow. important calls. But what I'm saying is, you're wrong, but go ahead. We shouldn't shoot. We shouldn't, we shouldn't have one person making that call. Right. And we, he shouldn't, he shouldn't be the we, one. And we don't, we did. He shouldn't be the one. He shouldn't be the one blamed. Right. It should be yeah, like, let, the whole, yeah, the yeah, whole right. government. Okay. When you're done, let me know. Okay. Yeah. So first okay. of all, let's back up and talk about Joe Biden. The man is close to, I think he's 80 years old. So yeah. the fast twitch, some of the fast twitch that you see. First of all, he had he had a speech impediment that he overcame. And you'll see some of that too. And it's easy to confuse that with, you know, with mental, you know, lapses. Um, but he has had little little micro um mental lapses in the short, like very short term. Like I wouldn't want him to try to play Jeopardy because there's a little delay. But when he has more than like, you know, 30 seconds or so to sit down and analyze something, you couldn't get a more astute, more seasoned, more okay. intelligent man, Sean. I'll, I'll but, trust I'll trust you on this because you watch a lot more uh, political television than I do. I swear to I God, really, you, I, I, I to stay you. far away. I stay far away from political television. I don't right. really watch a lot of Fox News. I don't watch a lot of CNN. I don't watch a lot of MSNBC. If he were really, 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 um, if he were really showing signs of that, there are ways that we can. Um, there are ways that we can. Um, in our government, the way it's structured, there are things we can do to remove a president that's showing those kind of things, if that's the case. Now, all he was showing was senior moments where it's like there's a little delay, like a five-second delay. Like I said, he wouldn't win in jeopardy, but when you can sit down and ask him to analyze something and to really go over it, the man is, okay. is still all there. Now, the only thing I got to say is here's the way this kind of stuff works, Sean. I've been watching politics a long time, Sean. If you like the administration – he did the right thing. He waited. He waited. Wednesday, he told them, hey, when you get the opportunity, the next safest opportunity, take it down. He told them that Wednesday. And that was pretty prudent. If you like the administration, that flies. If you don't like the administration and it's not your guy, you know, then you're going to criticize. Oh, my God, what took so long? That's what it is. So, And, and I can't tell you. I can't tell you if you reverse it. And if if Trump were there, whatever decision Trump made, suppose he decided to shoot it down right away, okay, right away, the other side would say, "Man, that was awful hasty. You gotta you gotta really think things through. You gotta be measured." So whatever it is, it's all you're doing is is it's that's just politics. Now, if Biden, if Biden would have said, "Are you kidding me?" That thing comes down immediately. I want it fired down immediately. Then his adversaries to the right would have been saying. Oh, I just don't like the way he did it half cocked, and it was on. It, it really wasn't that's, measured or well thought what, out. It's politics, Sean. It's Sean. That's I what swear makes me angry about uh, politics. That's what makes me angry about politics. Is right. that and uh, that's even what if it they is know, here, even Sean. if they know the other side is right and they know it in their bones, they're still going to be like, uh, you know, you know, they should have done. Like they're always going to have some sort of complaint about what they did, and like you know, as Americans, we should all be on the same page a lot of times, and definitely there's national security issues. Mm-hmm. Um, we should be looking out for the best interests of our country. So I just don't like the fact that like people, it's like, it's like sports. Like if you like your team, you're not going to like, you know, you're going to be really angry at your adversaries. And but, Sean, th- um, this was predictable. I mean, the, 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 the fake outrage from the other side, blah, 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 it was, it was predictable. I mean, there, and there it is romp right there. It's like, okay, because it was, and it w- would have been the other way around. I'm telling you, it would have been that way too. I'm not, I'm telling you it's a two way street. That's politics. And that's the way the game is played. And it, it, it just is what it is. The bottom line is, um, 
it's no longer a threat. And we are going to learn a lot about this when we retrieve a lot of that stuff. And because what's really, really interesting is what they're looking for, what their searches are based on, right? What it is they're looking for. You don't think they have like a a kill switch? Like, okay, the U.S. has intercepted this. Therefore, all the data is automatically deleted and the U.S. gets nothing to recover. Maybe, maybe. I, I, you know, I don't know, Sean. I, I don't know these things. Just, um, just, just, I'm pretty neutral in politics. I'm pretty in the middle. Uh, I'm right. like fiscally conservative, but I'm pretty socially liberal, to be honest. Right. Um, I'm not really, you know, a big Biden detractor or a big Trump advocate or any of that type of thing. I stand at that stuff. But what I'll say is I was angry that it took so long and I have no really, I just want our country to be safe. So for me, from a kind of like a American my first instinct was, holy crap, that was in the air since January 28th. And I just want, there's going to be more information, but I don't know. It's just like, it's well, one it was of those over, things that's just like. I, I understand. I understand your feeling, but it was over Canada most of that time, wasn't it? And then when it entered our airspace, it was Wednesday. And Biden said, shoot it down. The first safe chance you get. I don't want any catastrophes here. And my God, can you imagine? And how, how far up was this thing? This thing was way up there, right? I mean, I can't imagine. Yeah, the same, the same China has control, China has control of the balloon, right? China has control of the balloon. They're calling it a weather balloon. Why can't the U.S. call China up and be like, hey, you know, this is really a weather balloon. Can you guys direct this above the ocean, please? And then we'll just conveniently shoot this down. So, like, why did it take so long for it to be above an ocean? Why didn't China comply and say, oh, sorry, our weather balloon veered off, but we'll actually direct it. That's what I'm saying. It's like. I feel like there could have been better. It could have happened quicker if China. That's not who had control of the balloon. Like, why couldn't they tell the person controlling the balloon get this thing above an ocean? We want this thing out of our land. People have to talk to it. The people below Biden that that he left it to because he wants to leave it to those experts, right? He says, "Look, I want that thing down. The immediately the first the first safe chance that you get. We're not putting anyone in jeopardy." And although it's easy to say, "Well, okay, my way here, okay, over this cornfield, over these cornfields here," but when you're dealing with something that high up. That is subject to change and get off course just a little bit. If that gets off course just a little bit, that could be miles by the time it hits the ground. And I'm telling you, if that hits a school, if that hits uh, an intersection in a city, if that hits a piece of a building, if that hit, really, I mean, think of all the things that really could go. And then it's like, oh, uh, well, uh, we, uh, uh, yeah. so they did. You know, they did, you know, sometimes well, discretion is the better of, part of valor. Discretion is the better part of valor. Let's like make sure we don't get anyone killed. So it's real easy to sit back and fire up a cigar and drink a scotch and say, oh, should have done it earlier. Nah, you got to You got to look at everything, right? You got to get your homework. You got to look at the fine print and you got to understand that the priority is always going to be to keep Americans safe. Here ended the lesson. God bless Joe Biden. God bless the United States of America. What else you want to talk about tonight? Um, I just want to say quickly, they have the capability of getting, I didn't even know countries have the capability of getting stuff in our airspace. So it's kind of, it's it's scary to know that they can just get a random balloon above our airspace. Because think about it. Mm-hmm. Say these were really weaponized. Say they wanted to get a, a sneak attackers with tons of balloons at the same time and just have the balloons just fall, fall, you know, fall to the earth and kill a bunch of people. That's what really concerns me too. The possibility that, Foreign countries can just get these things in our airspace. 
I always, I was always thinking like the government, I trust the government. It's like, Oh, they're protecting our airspace. You know, they got all these technology, these satellites, they got people in this, these, these big rooms and these, these rooms, with all these computers and they're tracking everything. And it's like, it's like the air traffic controller stuff on steroids, you know, the air traffic controllers that you see at the airports, they have these all the Pentagon, they have all these secret rooms and all these computers and screens and they know everything that's going on above our air. But apparently a Chinese spy balloon can get into our territory. That's the part that scares me. You know, that's like, holy crap. Yeah, but every country in the world, we're we're able to get super, we're we're able to penetrate just about every significant country in the world too. So it is, I mean, you know, when it's, when it's, you know, when you're on offense, like we're on offense, we said we got balloons and spy, you know, spy balloons and all kinds of stuff everywhere across the globe. Yeah, we do. That's cool. Oh, wait a minute. You mean other people can? And I agree with you. We should, you know, I, I, I lure myself in the false sense of security too, that we're on everything, but I don't know. Um, you know, our gang, I feel pretty safe with our gang. I mean, you know, we have the best military in the world. We have the most equipment. Um, I feel pretty safe. I don't think anyone's going to mess around and try to try to send anything nuclear our way because, uh, you know, that for them is, is, is suicide. I don't care what nation on earth it is. So I, I don't know, but, uh, I don't know. These are all things that you ponder. Um, you know, but are we um perfect or totally impervious to everything? I don't I don't know. I don't I don't think so, but you know, I think I think yeah. we catch a whole lot more than you know, than gets through. And even this thing here. Okay. It was there. Okay, you know. It's not there anymore. Yeah, cuz you know, there's been some stuff that's happened between us and china um we have a plane called an f-35 and about 15 years ago there was a theft of the designs of the f-35 the chinese took it and enabled the chinese air force to develop its own stealth-like look-alike fighter with chinese characteristics um so you know this stuff is not new where people you know china and the u.s are kind of like you know spying on each other and superpowers do this but like I said, my main concern is the safety of our country and our nation. And the idea that, you know, a country so far away like China could just like get a balloon above our land is like concerning to me. So um, hopefully this, you know, hopefully, you know, U.S. tightens up the security and we can really uh, prevent this from ever happening again. That's all I'll say. I, yeah, it would be nice. I mean, but, like, you know, did you miss the part where the, there were three other three other times that it happened? And, you know, so, I mean, it, 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 but, it's yeah, but now yeah. now it's out in the spotlight. And now, yeah. you know, things, yeah. things in society, it yeah. takes tragedy. It takes something crazy to happen for people to wake up, mm-hmm. you know, for, to be like, oh, that's because before 9-11, most Americans didn't even know that Osama bin Laden, who he was. They didn't know Afghanistan was a True. real threat to us. Yeah. Until it happened, until we were attacked. So, yeah. you know, things that, you know, th- we're lucky that we didn't get hurt this time with these balloons or whatever. Mm-hmm. You don't know what the intelligence they got and how they could hurt us with that intelligence. But what I'm saying is it usually takes some big event for us to change our ways. And let's not let these big events prevent, the, you know, get us to change our ways. Let's let's tighten things up, security, government officials, if you're out there. Um, and yeah, it, wake it, up call, wake up call. Let's, yeah. uh, let's, 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 let's protect our country, please. That's all I'll say. <laughs> I'm hip. I'm with you. Okay. Um, as far as sports go, uh, we got to talk about this first because it's big, big news. The Brooklyn Nets traded Kyrie Irving to the Dallas Mavericks. Kyrie Irving was traded for the, so the Nets couldn't come to an extension for Kyrie Irving. Everyone knows this history. 
He was anti-vaccine. He didn't take the vaccine. He, he the NBA suspended him and fined him constantly. He, was, he didn't play most of last season. Um, he's always making outlandish statements. He thinks the earth is flat. Um, he's kind of goes to the beat of his own drum, but it's kind of like weird thinking and a lot of like, you know, opposite thoughts from a lot of people. He accidentally promoted um, an anti-Jewish agenda. Accidentally, he like promoted this documentary that he had to apologize it and Brooklyn suspended him for a little bit. So the guy is always in in, in the news for doing something really kind of messed up or, you know, not normal. But Brooklyn traded um, Kyrie Irving to Dallas, and they got back back Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, a 2027 second-round pick, a 2029 first-round pick, unprotected, and a 2029 second-round pick. And Dallas got Kyrie Irving and Markeith Morris. Um, so Markeith Morris, uh, I didn't even know. what I didn't, I didn't realize he was in the Nets, to be honest with you. But anyway. Kyrie Irving was traded. Joe, I know you're not like a, a huge basketball fan, but like, you know, what's your opinion on Kyrie uh, going to Dallas? What's your first initial opinion on that? Uh, I guess poor Dallas, because this guy's a great basketball player, but he's just, he's marching to the beat of a different drummer. It's his own drum beat. And he just does whatever the hell he wants. And he shows up whenever the hell he wants. And he's just, he, he, he he's trying t- too hard to be, this uh this uh, sociological ambassador or whoever he sees himself just play basketball you know just just play but he, he sees himself as in, in this bigger role that and that's part of what's 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 uh, what his downfall is um you know uh he started with the bullshit with the with the vaccinations and you know i'm gonna stand up and i'm gonna go yeah yo cuz just you know come on anyway um He's a great basketball player, but he is what he is um, personally, and I think that's gonna that's gonna uh, you know a leopard doesn't change its spots. So I think they're gonna have problems. I don't think they're gonna go to the finals because they got them now. What it does is me for a basketball fan, it gives me a little bit of hope that maybe the seventy sixers will mess around and find a way to get Kevin Durant on this team, and if they do they're the odds on favor to win everything. If they don't, they're going to be what they are, which is a team that's well, going to win. It's going to win around. Up. It's going to lose in the second round and say, Oh, next year. We're really good. No, you ain't going to do shit next year. Cause you didn't do shit this year or the year before. Okay. Now, if you get Kevin Durant, you're going to, you're going to be the front runners to win the championship of the national basketball association. Well, just, just remember that, uh, Big, big, big three, and like it all basically the big three are basically start with LeBron, Chris Bosch, and Dwayne Wade. They all got together in Miami and teamed up. They won two titles together. They also lost, you know, championship too. But, um, there's always the titles. And Celtics if the Nets had win. Kevin Durant, the Nets had Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden on the same team, and they still can get along and win. They only played 20 games total together or something like that. But, you know, I don't think Kyrie. That's all about chemistry, too. I mean, you you put Durant on uh, on 76ers with with Joel Embiid, with Maxi, with uh, you know those those players, Tobias Harris, Harden, James Harden, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, yeah. I don't think it guarantees a title, dude. Oh, I I wouldn't say guarantee, but they're the front runners to win it all. I would say I I just I I would say that. I mean, you've got that that's that's beastly. That is beastly. And of course, Maxie's not going anywhere. They find a way to get get Durant here, but they work around uh, Maxie, of course. Um, now you've got Durant 
Embiid, Harden, and Maxi, and then they're, they're not going to have scrubs around them too. They're going to have some good basketball players around them. Um, I, 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 I don't I mean, It's Kevin Durant, dude. And then you've got Joel Embiid, and then you got James Harden, who's, who's surprisingly what, what looking better than he. You know, he's looking like the old James Harden. I mean, come on, you know. Kevin Durant um, and Joel Embiid have a, a very uh, uh, vast injury history. Vast injury history. So, you know, oh. having them all healthy, having them all healthy at the same time would be a miracle. So, anyway, miracle's a strong word. I don't think miracle. One thing, I don't think one miracle. thing that I thought was. One thing that I was thought was pretty funny. I think they're the odds um, on favorites to win it all, but go ahead. Well, you, you know, you, you're thinking that Durant's going to go to Sixers. Just, I don't know. Who knows? But anyway. Right. Um, Nets owner Joe Sy did not want to trade Kyrie to the Lakers. That was Kyrie wanted to go to the Lakers, and Joe Sy uh, kind of spited uh, Kyrie. He did not send him to the Lakers. So there's that, too. Because Kyrie could have been teamed up with LeBron again. They won a title with the Cavaliers. So Yeah. Um, all right. So how are you feeling about, we'll talk more because our, our episode before the Super Bowl is going to be probably Friday or Saturday. Um, any new thoughts about the Super Bowl matchup? You feel more confident, less confident, any new local news stories about what's going on with the Eagles, the team, what they're thinking. <clears throat> it, it's a, t- it, 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 it's really a tough one. I'm, I, I can look at it in some ways and feel confident. I can look at other ways and think, oh man, we might, we might be in a bad spot here. Um, I, 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 what I'm thinking of just recently is that I'm not as confident as I was at first. Um, but I'm not totally backing away from it, but, um, it's Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. And when you give Andy Reid two weeks, He's going to spot some weaknesses. There aren't many weaknesses in that in our Eagle defense. There aren't. But if anyone can spot them, it's Andy Reid with two weeks to do it. Uh, and then then Patrick to uh, to take advantage of that. Um, so, yeah, uh, that that concerns me. The only and, and the only other thing that concerns me, Sean, I know we can run the ball on anybody in the National Football League. We've just we smash mouthed. Um, the biggest, baddest defense in the world. They're coming in here last week and we just smashed them, right? Just ran the ball. But what bothers me is I haven't seen Jalen, his arm is hurt. I haven't seen him really throw it around the lot. I've seen him miss a couple of big throws that against the Giants, there was a touchdown throw down the seam to like a 30-yard pass down the seam to Brown that he missed. He overthrew it. And it was darn near that same route that he overthrew in the 49ers game. I mean, he normally sticks that right on the guy's ear hole. I mean, I, I, I don't know what's going on. It's been a while since what I'm trying to say is it's been a while since I've seen the Eagles passing game be where I think it's going to need to be in addition to having the running game that they always can count on. But at some point they're going to need to balance that out and they're going to need to chuck that ball. And it's been a while since I've seen them chuck the ball with any success. Now, hopefully they come out and they just start throwing it. Now, they haven't thrown the ball with much success. But I, I don't, you know, look, that Niners defense is good. We we ran the ball on them because we run the ball on anybody because we can do that. But they didn't pass it on him too well. I don't, I don't know why. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's Jalen's arm. I don't know if it's an attribute to the 49ers defense. But we're going to need everything. So 
I'm just, I, I've got some concerns that I need to, I, I, I would, I would have liked to have seen Jalen throwing the ball better coming into this. Now, maybe this two weeks off is just what he needs. Right. Um, so, and I think when I think that way though, I think guys are going to be a little more open this week than they were against San Francisco. So, you know, uh, but it's just one of those things. I, I have a lot of respect for them. Despite the fact of tongue-in-cheek comments to them, look, a lot of respect for the quarterback, a lot of respect for that head coach and that organization, and I'm not going to disrespect the Kansas City Chiefs. At the end of the day, though, and I'm going to wrap this up, at the end of the day, though, we have a better roster from, from 1 to 47. We should win this football game. Shame on us if we don't. Yeah, I'll tell I hear something, something that's very eerie. Both of them are 16 and three. Both of them are number one seeds in the conferences. And both of them have scored exactly 546 points this year. Yep. And both teams have averaged 4.6 yards per carry and have four takeaways in the postseason. I believe that information came from uh, Field Yates from ESPN. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hell of a matchup. And I think they're the first, this is the first Super Bowl, I think in 39 years where both teams had won a Super Bowl in the past five years. Obviously the, the Eagles won in 2018, the Chiefs won in 2020. And they're both number um, one seeds. That doesn't happen very often. I mean, yeah, that's what, yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. You know, it's going to be, it's, I think it's going to be a great, I can't wait for that game. It's I, I, so fun. I saw Sal Palantonio a couple hours on the news, a couple hours ago on the news. And I wish I was as confident as him. He said, look, um, here's the deal. He said, yeah, they're good and we're good. And but he says, I think the Eagles are better. And he says, not only that, the Eagles can't like give up because they're going to stack the run in the first quarter. You know, they're going to come at the run hard. They're not going to, but they got to keep pounding, keep pounding. And he said, if the Eagles stay with the run the way they did against San Francisco, he says, they will trounce the Chiefs. He's Sal Palantonio and Sal Pal is from here, but he's he's not going to be SU. He said, if the Eagles run the ball more than 40 times, they're going to pound, they're going to trounce the, the Kansas City. So I think that's cool. Okay, Sal. Okay, Sally, I'm, I'm with you, but I'm, I just don't know. Now, Friday, I'm going to have to, you're going to, you're, I'm sure Friday, you're going to corner me into something. So I'm going to have to make a prediction, but it's still up in the air. Um, I, I, I cannot I just cannot sever totally and be totally objective. So my prediction, my prediction is going to be with the Eagles W. I just can't. I just can't. I can't. I can't the other way around. I mean, sure, I'm not. I, I understand it could happen, but I, my prediction can't be that. But it's just going to be the number of how much or where, where you know, what how, what kind of game it is. So, um, yeah. but I could tell you that much now. But as we get there, we'll get there. Yep. Um, going to be a great game. Uh, I just want to say uh, bad gambling beat recently. Uh, Purdue was playing Indiana on Saturday. Purdue was ranked number one in the country at the time. Um, for some reason, I didn't know this. They were an underdog. In Indiana was ranked like number 23, but they've been playing very well. They're considered a very good team, better than their ranking. They were favored by like a point and a half. They're at home, and Indiana is a tough place to play. Mike Woodson's their coach. He's doing a good job there. They haven't had a good coach in years. But I bet live bet because Purdue is losing. Uh, live bet, and I uh, took Purdue plus four and a half. And uh, the last play of the game, guy hit a layup in Indiana. 
It should have been a, it should have been a foul. Like they, they should have fouled them. It should have been free throws. But for some reason, Purdue didn't play good defense. They let, they let them throw a long pass. The guy had a wide open layup, and Indiana won by five. I lost my bet by a half a point. So that's the bad gambling beat. Um, so as far as Villanova basketball, we are a mess. Uh, we are can't close games, and I think that speaks more to Kyle Neptune than it does to the players, because the same personnel under Jay Wright, this would not be happening. Um, so I'm kind of, kind of disappointed how things are going. We still can win the biggest tournament and that can get us into the tournament because Justin Moore is still finding his legs. You know, he ruptured his Achilles. So it takes a while to come back. Um, but yeah, I mean, did, Joe, did you know that the, uh, Super Bowl 57 is on Fox? Oh, I did not know what, what, what station it's on. No. Cause, uh, I think the announcers are, um, Kevin Burkhardt and Greg Olson. And that's oh the best. That's, that's I'm not saying these guys. I like Greg Olson. Seems cool as hell. He seems like a, a cool guy. And Burkhart seems fine himself. But the fact that those are the announcers and like you know Olson's almost like a rookie. Like he he's been announcing for maybe like two or three years. But they used to have Joe Buck and Aikman. So yeah, you know, listen, it, it's a it's a Super Bowl. They could do a fantastic job. But you know, usually you hear big names. You know, you got Romo and Nance. You got Aikman and Buck. Um, you got Michaels and, and Collinsworth or something. Burkhart and Olsen doesn't ring the same bell. They're same, you know, doesn't, you know, I don't know. It's like, I'm not trying to diss these guys. And I want them to do a good job, but that's the best that Fox has. It's like, you know, yeah. I, don't, I just don't think they're seasoned enough. Like Burkhart's pretty seasoned, but Olsen's not seasoned enough yet. And you can maybe say the same thing about Rome. Like you would say Romo wasn't as seasoned when he did his first, first Super Bowl, but Romo is kind of like a uh, a prodigy in the announce game. Um, Olsen's good, but Romo is kind of like a prodigy. You know what I mean? So everyone was like, okay, that's Romo. He's, he's great. Everyone because For a while, everyone loved Romo when he first started. He was, predict- he was predicting what would happen on each play. Everyone was like, oh, my God, this guy really knows football. But um, I don't know. Burkhart and Olsen are the announcers. That's all I'm going to say. Well, at the end of the day, um. I watched the game because I, I, and I don't care who's playing or what I watched the game because I'm watching the game and the little bit that I get, if, if it's extra, like Madden was unbelievable, but that was funny and it was great and it was different and so forth, you know, that kind of thing. Now, Troy and, and Buck there, we've, we've come to know them, but what do they do? That's really, really funny or entertaining. No, I mean, look, I think these guys will do a more inadequate job. But when I watch a, a game, especially if your team, my team's in the Super Bowl, dude, they could have, you know, I, I don't, they could have, you know, uh, uh, what's his, what's his name? Um, um, I don't know. They could have anybody doing the damn, uh, you know, commentating. If my team's in the Super Bowl, uh, you know, Gilbert Godfrey is the name I was going to say. They could have Gilbert Godfrey calling the game. I don't give a damn because the Eagles are in the Super Bowl. So it's like I'm locked in. And even if they weren't, even if it was just the Super Bowl, I'd still watch I'd still watch the game. And I really I think sometimes we all do this. We put a little too much emphasis on and we start rating these guys. You know, sports talk radio does that all the time. You know, I think these guys, they should do better than this. You know, just watch the goddamn game, dude. It doesn't matter that it really doesn't matter that much who's in it. But I get your point, Sean, that if I had my druthers, I'd rather have Troy and Joe. I, I would. But yeah, if I don't, it's it's not, not it's it's not going to take away too much. Not, though we're not, I'm not condemning Olsen and Burkhart whatsoever. I know you're not. I know you're not. I'm just saying it seems like like 
you know, this is a big event. This is Super Bowl 50. There's only been 57 Super Bowls. This is the 57th Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, it's a big event. And listen, these guys could like do a great job and they can really make names for themselves. Everyone could be like, oh my God, they did a great job. And uh, I'm really impressed. And they have an opportunity here, but they also have an opportunity to disappoint a lot of people too. So um, I don't know. Just one thing I noticed is Super Bowl 57. I didn't even realize it was on Fox. I didn't realize they were the announcers until like today, pretty much. But no, and that's an observation you made that probably a lot of people have made already too. But when I really think about it, Sean, it, it, I, I watch football to watch and, and I, the quality of the commentating can vary. I'm going to enjoy the hell out of that game. If I'm watching that game, I'm interested in that game. Even if it's your Cowboys, if I'm watching the Cowboys and they're playing somebody, I don't know the Vikings or somebody. I'm rooting for the Vikings. I'm into the game. I got a reason. I'm going to root for the Vikings to beat the Cowboys because they're in our division and, and there's an interest there, right? Where even if there's someone that I'm not, if you're, you can always find a little interest in watching the game. And, you know, the, the announcers are, um, they're, 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 I'm not going to say they're immaterial. When you get the funny ones that are real entertaining ones, that's great. Um, but when you don't, it's not going to bug. But I, I, I agree with you that your observation is, is probably very popular. A lot of people are probably thinking the same damn thing. Doesn't Fox have anybody else better to do this? But at the end of the day, um, is it, are, you, are you really that bummed? Are you going to be locked into the game? No, I'm not going to. It's not going to. It's not really right. going to annoy me. It's just, it's just something right. that stuck out to me. It's like, oh wow, right. they, Mark Carton and Olsen are doing the Super Bowl. Okay, yeah, yeah, it's um, a good observation, all right. though. All right, so that's uh, the show today. Um, thanks everyone for listening. Joe, the floor is yours. What do you get when you cross an elephant and a rhino? Elephino. Good night. <laughs> Take care.